Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Endurance Minded. It's the podcast that looks at the psychological and emotional components of endurance sports and how they impact performance. I'm your host, Taylor Thomas, founder and coach at TEC. And on this episode, I'm speaking again with Christine Zimmerman. Uh, Christine is a registered dietitian nutritionist. She's a certified intuitive eating counselor. She is the team dietitian for TEC. And she's also an expert at understanding how the thoughts and feelings we have around um, specific things like diet and exercise and our successes and failures, the goals that we lay out for ourselves. She is amazing at understanding how those thoughts and feelings impact our actions and results. And that's what I wanted to talk to her about on this episode. We had her on uh, in a previous episode where we talked about nutrition and diet and and our uh, relationship with food as athletes. And that was an amazing conversation. But Christine is very, very talented and um, adept at understanding how the language we use impacts our outcomes. Um, And so we talk about a few different a few different concepts, one of which is the concept of TFAR, which is a, a circular notion where our thoughts lead to our feelings, which impact our actions, which ultimately impact our results. Um, and this is a really uh, important thing to understand as athletes, and it really helps contextualize how we make certain decisions, both in our life, but also uh, as athletes, um, how it impacts how we see ourselves as athletes. Um, So we spend a good deal of time talking about how we can utilize both the positive um, impacts of TFAR, but also how the negative negative feedback loop um, can have, uh, can impact us as well. So um, that leads us to, to, discuss cognitive flexibility versus cognitive stability. Um, And these are kind of high level um, psychological concepts that deal with the ability to juggle multiple scenarios at one time while also sorting through the noise. And and this really um, uh, has to do with how we navigate our life as athletes, how we maintain consistency, motivation, how we define our expectations, uh, and the decisions that we make on a daily basis that set us up for success, um, and how those decisions can ultimately lead to a positive or a negative feedback loop as it relates to the TFAR concept. Um, We also get into um, automatic negative thoughts, the idea that um, this negative feedback loop um, can perpetuate itself just by the way that we initially think about um, a decision that we have to make uh, or think about our success or failure or our goals or expectations for a particular outcome. Um, This is where we really start to look at language and how a shift in language from the start can set us up for success. And so this is can a, a transformational um, shift that we can make as athletes where we, um, we phrase um, our goals um, and we phrase what we hope to accomplish and how we're going to set ourselves up to accomplish those goals, the language that we use around those goals and, and the definition of those um, is really, really important. And so 
what this episode and my conversation with Christine really comes down to is is language. Um, It's something that I believe very, very strongly in that it's critical that we think about uh, the language that we use for ourselves, um, how we um, talk to ourselves in a way that allows for uh, our our longevity, allows for us to, to have uh, full enjoyment of the pursuit of our goals. Um, and, uh, and Christine has um, just so much experience in this area and understands how we as athletes can um, can use these tools in ways to really, really change how we think about um, success um, and how we think about ourselves as athletes and, and our role um, in, uh, in, in both the training perspective, but also just self-care when it comes to sleep, um, maintaining important relationships in our life, diet, um, our relationship with food. So it's really an overarching um, uh, or a series of overarching concepts that can help to uh, set us up for for long term success and, and long term growth uh, as both individuals and athletes. So um, definitely tune in. This um, this conversation plays off of uh, a really great blog article uh, that Christine wrote that is live on the TEC site. We'll be posting that in the show notes. I encourage everyone to read that. It really helps just kind of uh, gain a condensed understanding of some of the things that we that we talk about uh, on uh, this particular episode. Uh, as always, thomasendurancecoaching.com for anything that we talk about uh, on the episode. Uh, we have uh, tons of great content in the blog. We're doing some really cool stuff on Instagram uh, with some guided mobility work um, and uh, some strength training exercises and, and uh, lots of cool stuff. So um, check us out, social media or on our website. And as always, feel free to reach out if there's anything we can do to help you be a better athlete. Thanks so much. Enjoy my conversation with Christine Zimmerman. Hey, Christine, how's it going today? Excellent. Thanks for having me here today. Yeah. Welcome back. Um, we had you, we had a great conversation. Uh, when was, I guess it was probably back in the summertime uh, at this point, which seems like a very long time ago. <laughs> time, time, time is a, a little augmented uh, these days. Um, so uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks for being, being back on the show. Um, we, we, uh, there's a lot to talk about. Um you know, we kind of, I feel like we, we left off in our last conversation, um, and our, uh, again, when we had you on endurance minded, um, on kind of a high point of, you know, helping talk to, we talked more about, uh, the nutrition piece, um, which is one of your specialties. Um, you are a registered dietitian and nutritionist and intuitive eating counselor, uh, among, uh, among many other accolades. Um, you're also the team dietitian for, for TEC. And so, uh, so we leaned into the nutrition piece the first time we had you on the show this time, uh, one of your other strengths and things that I, that I think is really, um, one of the reasons I love talking to you is some of the, um, uh, you're really well versed in the kind of, uh, emotional psychological aspects of, um, what would be the best way to describe it? How, how people kind of, um, what pro- you, you'll say it better than I will, but like process their, their emotions in relation to 
what food and diet and exercise and, and kind of any and of all, all these things, their relationships and, and otherwise is that I, how, how's, what's the best way to describe that? <laughs> you, you, you have uh, you have better words than I do. So yeah, we kind of deconstruct the eating behavior is I think a kind of a nice way to explain all that as far as tying it into nutrition. Um, and it gets it gets a little muddy sometimes because like I'm not a therapist, but um, this still falls under you know a lot of therapy uh, is you know the way we eat and our feelings and our behaviors um, and something that I share with clients a lot is which we discussed was the TFAR. Um, chain reaction, which is how our thoughts uh, lead to feelings, which lead to actions, um, which lead to results. And there's just a lot kind of around that cycle and how that cycle can sometimes lead to really good things. And then sometimes that cycle unwinds um, and leads us to results that we don't want and actions that we don't really want to do. So um, that's how the dietitian piece kind of um, goes into other things. And I appreciate that uh, the tech coaches are interested in looking in some of these gray areas because I think this is really helpful and serves people in bigger ways than just kind of looking at the science of, um, you know, exercise or the science of nutrition that we kind of look into these behavior issues. Yeah, you bring up a, I mean, it's a great observation, but one that I feel like isn't often maybe clear or or maybe it's not even made at all is that, you know, I think we've kind of, as athletes, um, we have maybe done ourselves a disservice. Those are strong words, but, uh, you know, we've, we're, we're not, when we think about all of these components of our health or how we pursue our goals or um, our expectations for our well-being. When we think about all of these pieces in their own little boxes, um, you know, and, and we, we don't allow ourselves to <laughs> realize that they're all connected and that you, you know, you, you can't um, pursue you know, your goals, uh, you know, from a training perspective, if you, um, you know, have, um, you know, unhealthy relationships with food, or if the relationships in your life are, um, are not being, you know, maybe handled with the right care or given the appropriate amount of respect and time and, you know, and, and, and to the, this kind of, you know, feedback loop. And, and we, so I think that's a big, to your point, like leaning into, and of course, you know, really the primary reason that this podcast exists is that there, there are, I don't know that it's possible long-term in terms of like sustainable success and an, uh, an individual's ability to reach their full potential. I don't know if it's possible to just, to just target one area, right? I don't know that it's realistic to say, okay, well, we're just going to work on the training piece and not address you know, 
in any and all of these other pieces in some capacity. Um, so the, 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 the TFAR pieces, I do want to, I think that's a really cool, mm-hmm. just kind of, you know, model, I guess, and, and concept. And, and it's a good way when I first, you were the, you told me about it first. I, I was kind of vaguely aware of what it was and I'd, you know, seen it in, you know, articles, you know, and kind of journals and things that I had read over the years and kind of poked my head into, but you brought it up and it really is a great way to kind of highlight and describe, um, what I see is, is kind of, you know, a, a process that athletes go through good or bad. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, so, you know, one of the, one of the, the ways that it kind of struck me, uh, and again, you know, so this kind of thoughts lead to feelings, lead to actions, lead to results is a, is a lot of people, um, we've been talking a lot, uh, or I should say, I've been talking a lot, um, about athletic identity. Right. And I think it's something that's really important. It's probably been made more, uh, apparent this season, given the challenges. And I can really see a link with, with some of the struggles that some individuals have with athletic identity as it relates to this TFAR kind of loop, because you, you have thoughts about what you think you're, you should be as an athlete, right? We, you decide that, you know, an athlete looks a certain way or they perform a certain way or they progress in, at a certain rate, right? A lot of athletes do that. They decide that, you know, they've seen that it, you know, eight weeks or, you know, they, they ascribe this timeline that may or may not be appropriate for their goals. And, you know, and that can lead, um, to, you know, kind of negative feedback loops. So I really see this, that's the first place it struck me. It was kind of the link to this athletic identity piece that we've been talking about and how you could so easily get caught into, um, into this, this circular kind of way of thinking where if you think that, you know, an athlete looks a certain way and then you have feelings about how you, how you fit into that mold or don't, um, and then that's going to impact your actions, right? Whether that's your ability to train consistently or the motivation that you have, um, as it results to training, certainly on the, on the diet side of things too, uh, our relationships with food. And then of course we don't get the results that we want, right? So it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, um, that we get stuck in. So yeah, I don't Do you like what's, how can we use that? I think it's really easy or maybe for me, you know, the first place my head goes is like the negative side of things, but mm-hmm. is there a way to use TFAR and this, and, and the, our knowledge of this kind of emotional psychological feedback loop? Is there a way to use that to our advantage to try to position ourselves for success? Yeah. I, you know, I think you bring up a good point. Like it can go, you know, in the positive, like in a positive loop, or, you know, we can see it in a negative loop. And, you know, one of the hardest places to, to get to is just that moment of awareness. And it takes, I think sometimes a good bit of 
self-reflection and humility to be in that spot of like, okay, something's not working and I need to get help and just talk to somebody about this loop that I might be stuck in. Um, like, you know, I've, I've done the same thing over and over and it just doesn't seem to be working. And so, you know, for all those people listening right now, just there's a lot of compassion for that moment and, um, you know, reach out and talk to, you know, the coaches here or therapists, or I'm happy to talk about, um, kind of just being in a place of stuck because, uh, we all get to that sometimes. And, um, that first starting place is just going, okay, uh, this is not working for me anymore. So let me give like kind of a quick example, which came up this week with an athlete who, and I chuckle a little bit because it's kind of an extreme case, but just to highlight, like we're all in these moments that, um, kind of like go, Oh my gosh, uh, this has been going on for 60 years and I'm finally ready to break loose. So for example, I have an athlete, he's like, I want to be a great mountain biker, but um, I'm having trouble. I can't I lose weight. I'm, and he is not as fast as he wants to be. And he realizes that the weight is kind of holding him back. I said, well, let's look at some of like, let's, let's deconstruct this. So, um, do you know, just finding out about like what kind of things he's doing and what he believes and that kind of thing. And, um, to make a long story short, we go back to the only thing green that he eats is jalapenos. <laughs> and that the reason for this is because his parents made him eat vegetables and he hated them and he hated gardening. And it was, he is like this huge scar. And so those thoughts and feelings that went with eating vegetables lasted literally 60 years. And, um, what he does eat is very, you know, calorie dense and a lot of fast food and, you know, not nutrient dense, but more calorie dense. So he ended up having some issues with his size. So, um, just to kind of, you know, unpack all that part, you know, when people are ready to kind of see like that, those thoughts that create really strong feelings can be really powerful in our actions, which then lead to um, results and behaviors. And so that behavior of like avoiding vegetables for 60 years has finally like, and it's, it's up to him, you know, like that's, that's kind of the timeline of it. Um, and then he's at this place of making a decision, like maybe I could consider, you know, eating something different or doing something a different way or, so in that way, um, you can see kind of like TFAR, an example of it, um, kind of laid out. But there are other examples, like you've probably seen um, maybe even things in your own life, like how you've, so that was an example of maybe how it didn't go well, but maybe some examples of like, I'd be interested to hear, because you were a pro athlete, um, like ways that you used it to kind of get what you wanted and how you succeeded as an athlete, maybe with a TFAR. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, I love kind of being made aware of these, these, these things, you know, these kind of tools and, and these, 
cycles that we kind of naturally, you know, can, can, can find ourselves in again, positive or negative. And, you know, as I, as I, you know, continue to learn and, and grow, you know, as an athlete and, um, you know, a, a coach and, um, you know, I, it's, you, I realize how many of these things, you know, really played such a significant role in my life before I realized, um, that they were doing so, you know, before I realized mm-hmm. it had a name or, um, mm-hmm. and, and this is a great example, um, because it, you know, you can just, so, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, I mean, it feels like, I mean, literally like every, every decision that you make <laughs> is in this, is in this kind of circle, right. Or every, you know, kind of way that you navigate a particular situation falls into this, this TFAR model. You have, you know, thoughts about how you're going to execute and your expectations around, um, particular outcome, uh, whether it be athletic or otherwise. And then, you know, that associates with certain feelings and, uh, and then of course you put those into action and so on. Um, so yeah, you know, on the, on the positive side, um, you know, it's, again, I I can kind of see now how it's like manifested itself in all parts of my life. And certainly there's been plenty of, of the negative, you know, I'm, I'm not immune to getting stuck in any number of ways, you know, whether it's putting undue pressure on myself to achieve certain goals or, um, or feeling like I need to be a certain type of, of athlete. Um, you know, I think that's, and this isn't necessarily the, the, the end result is positive. Although this example is, uh, not necessarily, um, positive in that, you know, for me, and I think a lot of athletes are, I've certainly seen a lot of athletes, um, find themselves in a similar headspace where we can remember very clearly the type of athlete that we used to be. Um, and for me, that was, uh, a high performing, uh, ultra endurance, uh, cyclist, primarily off-road, but also doing stuff on the road. I was also a, a pretty competent runner, um, at, uh, at one time when I was younger and, uh, was very competitive and, and had, um, you know, varying degrees of success in sport and fast forward many years. Now I'm older. Um, I have a lot of different responsibilities. Um, many of which I take very seriously, uh, whether it's, you know, my role as, um, as a team member and, and, um, with our coaching group, business owner, um, someone trying to, um, to change the, uh, the way we think about endurance sports and, and the language we use around, uh, you know, quantifying some of these things. So as those things have shifted, I found myself having different types of thoughts about how I should be an athlete, what that actually should look like. And there have been times when I have struggled to, to admit that I am not as good of an athlete as I once was. Um, Mm. I, I know what it takes. Um, I know what it feels like to be very fit. Um, I know what it takes to get there, but I also realize that contextually my role as an athlete 
is meant to evolve, you know? And so I have been stuck specific to, to TFAR. Um, I've had thoughts about, um, feeling, feeling bad that I'm not as good of an athlete as I used to be. Um, and then that has caused, you know, some negative feelings. It's caused me to think, you know, am I, am I trying hard? You know, am I trying hard enough? Could I get there if I just put in the time? Um, and you know, all these kind of cascading things. And then, you know, the action side of things have been kind of, it's, it's swung in, in wild directions. It's swung in like obsessive training to try to get back to like, you know, (laughs) my glory days, Mm -hmm. um, which is not realistic, right? Like it's, it's, it's fine that I, I, I'm in a place now where I'm very confident in my athleticism and, and, and my ability to really continue to put my athletic identity at the forefront while also realizing that, that it will continue to evolve, you know, and I won't, I don't have to, doesn't have to manifest itself in peak fitness, um, in, in ways that it used to. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, you know, I've, I've come in and out of that in lots of different ways, many times over say the last decade, um, you know, where I felt very guilty and I felt like I was maybe being lazy and I, then I felt very confident in my, you know, my approach and felt, you know, and, and then as the disciplines changed, right. You know, I'm not a high volume ultra distance cyclist full time anymore. So what does that mean that I am? Can I be a runner? Can I be a runner if I just run moderate distances? Um, you know, certainly defining myself as like a, is, you know, someone who, I, I mean, I do enjoy going kind of longer and further and really kind of finding the limits, but, but not relieving some of the pressure to do that, you know, essentially every day, (laughs) right. That there, you can just do things for the joy of, of movement. Um, and you know, you could be a runner, you could be someone who likes to lift weights or you could be a cyclist or, you know, you could be all those things in different capacities at, at any given time. So yeah, you know, again, like, back to TFAR when I, when you, we were talking and you kind of, you know, brought this, this up and made me kind of aware of this, you know, kind of naming structure. I was like, Oh man, (laughs) I've, Mm -hmm. I've done that. I mean, again, I I may, maybe like every time we deal with, with an emotion, it, that you have, it has the ability to swing in one direction or the other. So, um, yeah, Again, that was like, the yeah. the outcome is is positive. I mean, again, I that wasn't a great. You know, there's some kind of darkness in there in the example that I gave, but the the outcome is that you know realizing whether I was cognizant of it or not that those thoughts and feelings directly impacted my actions and and results, and and I had to firmly grasp. I think for me too. I'd be interested to get your take on this. Like for me, it helped to really have fine kind of comfort um, in in quantifying the actions and results. Right? I needed to say, okay, well, what what actions am I willing and able to take 
and what are my expectations for those actions? And once I kind of got clear on that, it, it seemed like that loop got much more positive. Um, when I started with thoughts and feelings and those were kind of slant, you know, slanted more towards negative, I struggled with how to put, you know, the kind of actions and results piece and into play. Um, I don't know. Do you feel like there's a, can you, can you almost go backwards? Like, can you, can you start at the end result and like back yourself into positive thoughts and feelings? I think, yeah, I think you, yeah, that was awesome that you kind of explained, uh, some really deep stuff. Um, and your great perspective just on being vulnerable and saying, okay, allowing my results to change. Um, because, you know, we have to, we have to know that this culture we live in has this false illusion that, you know, we're not going to age, we're not going to slow down. And, (laughs) and that's crazy. But that's what the, you know, that's what culture kind of sells is you're going to get faster, you're going to get stronger, you're going to get, and that's, you know, we're, we're selling a lie if, if we just keep telling people that. And I love that part where you're saying, you know, I had to go back and look at my beliefs and my thoughts. And you, you can go back. Um, and I, I think that's what really is important that you've done and you can help other people clients with too is say, okay, was I being realistic? Did this really match my personality and my lifestyle and where I am right now with my body that I had this expectation of this? Did, you know, can I backtrack? And I think that's a really useful thing to do with with clients um, and, you know, for us to do with ourselves and to allow that part where, hey, you know what, I'm not the same person and I'll never be that same person I was you know, when I was, you know, racing and achieving all this. Um, and that's okay, right? It's okay that I'm a different person and I can have different, um, I can have different thoughts and results uh, because of that. So yeah, I, I, I appreciate you kind of giving us the insight into just how it's been for you and how, how you can kind of serve others just by your experience. Um, and it seems like, you know, the higher you go, the deeper you, you could kind of fall in some ways. Do you feel like that as like someone who's really kind of been at the top and um, then kind of seeing yourself like, okay, I'm, I'm a little bit different now. And what does that look like? And honoring our feelings. I feel like this culture we live in doesn't always, especially, can I say this, men, um, they yeah. don't always go into like our feelings. And I think for a lot of people, not just men, they label it like anger, but it's really something else. It could be disappointment. It could be loneliness. It could be fearful. It could be irritable, um, worried, nervous. I don't know. But we label it like anger and, um, you know, it just, it, that's not always true too. It could be a lot of different things that, um, lead to the actions, right? The thoughts, the feelings, and then those feelings create an action. And that's the piece I think you're really good at 
um, and saying, okay, is this feeling creating fear, which is being a barrier to getting me to my potential? Um, is there really a different action I should take because of my thoughts and feelings? Should I be doing this? You know, like my girlfriend just asked me, Hey, do you want to sign up for the lead bill 100? I was like, uh, I have a lot of feelings about that right now. <laughs> I not feel very good. <laughs> um, so yeah, tell me, tell me more about your experiencing that way. Just as, as time goes on, right. Time is going to march on and, how do we serve others just um, in our experiences uh, coming, you know, like even like looking where you've been and you can kind of teach us a lot just by your experiencing um, in your own body. I think, I mean, for me, and you, you touched on it, um, is that you, you have to, I think one of the things that we don't allow ourselves to do or, or we're, we're hesitant to do as athletes. Um, I mean, pr- probably as, as people, uh, as, you know, as a society, uh, but I'll speak to the athletic side cause that's my expertise. Um, you know, we don't, we don't allow ourselves to, to, to be okay with, um, with evolution, right. With just change. Like, you know, we, we, we say, okay, well, if I can't be this thing, that I see, right? So if I can't be this athlete that I've read about or seen or, or talked to or, or whatever, um, if I can't get there, then then the pursuit of my own potential is not worthwhile or not valid. So that's that's one area where you know, and that's of course like that's not true, um, it, you know. And then and then even you know, as we look kind of inward, and we reflect and we evolve and we age and we manage different things in our lives and different responsibilities and seasons come and go. And we're presented with different, you know, challenges that, that we we're not allowed to, or we don't allow ourselves to adapt kind of within those, those specific, um, you know, constraints or those specific, um, things that we need to pay attention to, right. It just because we, you know, for example, like, um, you know, I'll use myself as an example. Um, so last, we'll see, not, so not this season, but two seasons ago, um, uh, I, um, I was training for, um, for a hundred mile ultra marathon. Um, I have, um, typically stayed in some degree of ultra marathon shape for the last many, many years, uh, tra- trail running. Um, in conjunction with cycling and, and other disciplines, but that was kind of my focus. So two years ago, I was really fired up, um, did several ultras built through into a hundred miler in, uh, in, in the late summer. So the race went fine. Great. Anyway, fast forward this season. Um, this is like a current example. I mean, in the spring, obviously, we, you know, with the pandemic and we, you know, we did didn't know how that was going to play out, but specific to kind of my just daily training um, and how I was going to quantify and qualify my expectations for success um, for this particular year. I, I put a tremendous amount of pressure on myself to continue to be a hundred mile runner 
or maybe even more than that, right? Maybe do something even longer. I felt like, well, if I'm not, if I, if I, if I'm not giving that amount of time and commitment, then I'm not, I'm not reaching my full potential. And what I really needed to realize, and and I went through again this kind of circular um, exercise where I was like, you know what, this is this is not the season for a variety of reasons. Um, tremendous amounts of pressure um, on a variety of fronts out, outside of athleticism, and I needed to allow myself space to just enjoy being an athlete without the pressure of a massive goal that takes a tremendous amount of time, um, mental and emotional commitment. It also requires a tremendous amount of energy, um, which I just didn't have to give, right? For a variety of reasons, this wasn't the year. Uh, And when I finally allowed myself to just say, you don't have to be an ultra marathon runner every single season of your life, um, I was able to just literally like immediately enjoy being an athlete again and just doing what felt right. Now it doesn't mean I wasn't goal oriented, but allowing myself to, to shift those goals and realize that from season to season, those goals can and should change. And just because I was one thing, um, doesn't mean that I have to continue to kind of one up that every single season. Um, and, that was probably the biggest evolution for me as an athlete in, in like the last decade. Or, I mean, you know, <laughs> even as um, someone, I mean, I've been, I've been focused on being progressively, you know, better as an athlete for more or less my entire life. Um, and so to kind of come to that realization and be okay with it and realize that it was productive and it ultimately was going to lead to my sustainability as an athlete um, and my ability to pursue some of these big goals down the road when the time was right. Um, that was, that was a revelation. I mean, it's changed. It's just changed my, I mean, I can't imagine honestly, like right now having had, you know, <laughs> having trained being, you know, at the end of the, the year and having, spent the whole year training for a hundred miler. Like I would, I think it would have killed me like <laughs> mentally. I think it would have crushed me. Um, and so being able to realize that kind of in real time, you know, it took, it took some effort. Like it, you know, I struggle with that for, I mean, let's say maybe, you know, four to six weeks, I rolled it around and, and, you know, si- I signed up for races, um, that I ultimately ended up, uh, uh, canceling because i was like okay this isn't productive um but yeah no i i was i i think that again just that we get we put so much pressure on ourselves as athletes to like up the ante right and then that's Mm -hmm. what defines us you know or that's what defines success or failure And, and i'm all about pushing. I mean, that's my favorite thing about being an athlete is like our ability to realize that, you know, our potential is so great, you know, there really is like the human body is magnificently resilient, but it can be, it can also be resilient in the other direction, (laughs) right? It can be, it can be resilient in its ability to find stasis and, 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 you know, a healthy balance and, you know, mental and physical, um, 
progression doesn't have to be, doesn't have to mean you just do more of your sport. Um, you know, I think it's easy to get wrapped up in that. Um, I don't know. Do you like, do you see that on, I mean, you know, you talk to, to, to athletes, uh, and, and, you know, and, and again, this is not an athlete specific issue for sure, but, um, yeah, I don't know. What do you, what do you feel like from a, yeah, I, I hear like that big transformation for you was kind of getting away from that result, result focused, result focused. And I totally agree. I find that people really feel unleashed and get to their higher potential when they actually look at those habits and behaviors kind of in a new light uh, with like a lot more self-compassion. Um, kind of like what you were just describing, which is so key. I call it like habit stacking where, you know, you can, um, for example, even going back to the original little scenario that I played out with the guy that only ate the only green thing he ate was like pickled jalapenos. Um, (laughs) was like, how could we start with like one, one thing? Like, could you, could you, what's an area of like one place to start? Like for some people it's like, well, maybe I could have a green smoothie every other day, you know? (laughs) Um, and then that leads to like the next step. But I think, you know, going backwards, like you were saying, like getting away from that result can be so important for some people because that's kind of what we've focused on for many of us for many years. Like how fast am I, how, what's my place? Um, and once we've kind of stepped away from that and seen the other pieces that go into that, which are more important than that, it's like life changing for people. So thank you for kind of explaining kind of more of that in, in your, in your world. Um, because that's where I think the real power for a lot of people can come in is when they go, you know, that goal, that result doesn't look like that's going to happen, but now I'm not sure kind of how to pick up the pieces and what behaviors that are going to fit for me now. And, um, yeah, so I, I think that that's key in what you guys offer. Um, and where coaching really is in the future is really kind of stepping back from some of those results and looking at the process, um, and just kind of being with people in the whole process because like, wow, this year has really shown us, <laughs> um, we need to pivot and, um, we need to kind of be present in that moment. Uh, really, really good stuff. Um, yeah. What's this year been, what's, what's kind of the key pivots that you've seen in yourself this year regarding just different, I don't know, actions that have kind of helped you just, uh, cope with stressful stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, the the list goes on and on, right? I think like every every day is um you know, some sort of uh pivot with, you know, new information and how we adapt and um again, yeah, I mean for me, you know, at athleticism and, you know, the pursuit of being an athlete um 
And I say that to mean like not any specific discipline. Like it's important for me to, to engage with my athleticism on a very, Mm -hmm. very consistent basis, but like figuring out again, what that looks and feels like and, and being finding really tremendous value in that, even though it looks remarkably different than it has in years past. Um, and, and being like still really driven and motivated, um, to like, to explore that and see where it goes and, and just finding the value in that, in that pursuit kind of as a, as a, as a singular thing or as a thing that, that has kind of, you know, qualities as a standalone thing, um, Mm -hmm. that are, that are worthwhile and worth pursuing. Um, that's, that's been the biggest thing for me, you know, because, because you have to, right. Like, you know, the, the struggle with where athletes this season have really, you know, just gotten into a downward spiral is they've, they've continued to pursue the same course of action in the face of dramatic shifts in Mm. how we, how we can, can be athletes, how we can, can, um, uh, display, you know, our athleticism. It's not for the, you know, for a large part, it's not in races. And so, you know, continuing down that path and fighting against that when, when it's, you know, still not certain what it's going to look like. And certainly the face of things has probably changed in some way, you know, forever. Um, that, you know, that, that's been the biggest thing for me is like not expecting the same results <laughs> by, um, mm-hmm. you know, by pursuing things that, that we, you know, in, in a way that we, we, we used to do it. So, um, yeah, I don't, you know, and I, I guess it kind of leads me to one of the things we had talked about, um, that I think we're kind of in this zone, um, as mm-hmm. much as I feel like I kind of understand these concepts is this like cognitive flexibility and cognitive stability. And again, you were the first person to kind of introduce me to these, these, this terminology, um, but I feel like that's where we're at. And again, like if I'm not, if that's not right, let, let me know. But I feel like in this zone, you know, this idea of like cognitive flexibility is like we're juggling multiple scenarios at one time while also balancing the cognitive stability piece, which is kind of the ability to like sort through the noise, right? So we're trying to navigate like all of this input and all this noise to arrive at kind of the best decision and specifically for athletes that, you know, it feels to me like that's very linked to like, uh, an athlete's ability to meet their expectations when it comes to things like consistency and, and motivation and, and how they feel like they're going to define success and failure as it relates to, you know, their goals. And, um, I don't, so yeah, I'd be interested, like, what's your, you know, because it feels like it's kind of on the heels of, or certainly like in the same vein as as Tfar, but this like this kind of adaptability. Yeah, what's what? I guess maybe expand on that too, because I feel like I have just like a 
maybe I don't even have a basic understanding of it, but I feel like I've just kind of started to scratch the surface. So yeah, like what's, what's that all about? Yeah. So, I mean, I think you were a good example of it, of cognitive flexibility when you were uh, talking about, Hey, it just doesn't, I'm, I'm not the same person. I've got different uh, goals for myself and I'm not going to be running a hundred miles. Um, that's not going to work out this year or this season. Um, and just, so cognitive flexibility is just the ability for a person to view a situation or event from a different perspective. So it's, it's really kind of, um, you know, some, sometimes we meet people or we are ourselves kind of stuck, uh, really rigid in our thinking. Like, um, we've all had, you know, experiences where it's like this way, this is what I'm going to do. And, people are driven on for different reasons, whether it's like they need a distraction because they've had other hard things in their life or they're, you know, I've seen people motivated by weight loss or because, you know, they have a new relationship or, you know, whatever people create these scenarios like, okay, this is what I'm going to do or bust. Right. And we really want to be careful in that spot because, man, that's, you know, then we're like, oh my gosh, um, it's, you know, if they don't get this, they're going to fire me or, <laughs> um, but, or worse it is it, worse is, you know, that, that they are really going to have a hit in their own self-concept, you know, the concept that they have of themselves. And so, you know, what I encourage people is this, like this area of cognitive flexibility, which is kind of reframing, um, for example, like, uh, you know, very often I see clients, I mean, going back to food since I'm a dietitian who believe like, if I eat this, I will get fat, you know, like I will do not eat carbs because carbs will make you fat. So, um, I, you know, might go, like I said, let's really look at the science of that. You know, is that just something you believe or is there real science to that? Um, and then kind of reframing it like, um, you know, are all carbs fat? Well, not really. I guess whole grains are not fattening. They actually fill you up and have a lot of fiber. Um, so looking at those automatic negative thoughts that some clients or people have about whether it's their athletic ability or their eating behaviors, and then kind of flipping that around to kind of a more realistic, you know, reframing it to something more realistic. Um, like, oh yeah, carbs can give me energy. Carbs can fill you up. Carbs can, you know, uh, give you lots of fiber. Uh, carbohydrate tastes good. Like <laughs> I, I really <laughs> like, um, you know, farro rice or, you know, whatever carb you like. So, um, yeah, that's, that's a little bit of what I, you know, I think is helpful, um, regarding, looking at cognitive flexibility and, you know, how to help clients in those tough spots, because we all have those really bad moments of like automatic negative thoughts. But what's interesting to see them is kind of played out, whether it's like, for example, um, when I started doing triathlon, I was like, oh my God, I suck at swimming. <laughs> and that was my automatic negative thought. <laughs> and People are like, well, you don't really suck that bad. Um, <laughs> you know, you can get, you can do it. <laughs> like some people can't swim at all. Um, 
but I think I like lived into that. And so it was really helpful to kind of like really think about, you know, what is that just an automatic negative thought? And how am I living into that versus maybe taking a look at that and reframing it and using that piece, using that struggle for a lesson, right? That's one of the hardest things in life is like, oh my gosh, where am I going to use this tough situation to teach myself and to grow from it? Um, have you ever had a tough spot in your career like that where you're like, oh wow, I need to use, I, I need to go with this and use this versus um, keep it in my struggle box? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> every well, day. Struggle is <laughs> optional, right? optional. I mean, pain is. A definite, yeah. but if we, what is the, the equation? Struggle equals pain times resistance. And it's like we resist, the resistance really causes a struggle, right? Like if we right. can kind of accept it and go, okay, well, this, this is an issue, but what am I going to, how am I going to use this to my benefit? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, <laughs> yeah. One of the things that struck me, you know, you, you, you mentioned kind of this, um, like, uh, you know, almost this like success at all cost type, mm -hmm. you know, mentality, right. Where, you know, we, 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 we outline these, these goals, be them athletic or otherwise. And we, we just plow forward, you know, and, and so many of us do, I, I'm have a propensity to, to fall into that mindset. Certainly when I was younger and, and still, you know, can, can get stuck in that trap now um because i'm very driven I'm very mm -hmm. focused and mo you know and those are can be things that are positive but they can also get in my way um and you know it just it, one of the things it, it brings up a point it, or it struck me that specific to like the work that we do with athletes i think it's really important like you said you know when you set this goal and it's this kind of like you know, pursue it at all cost. It's very polarizing, right? That you, you either reach that goal or you don't. Um, and that can be fraught with, you know, a series of, you know, emotions and reactions and responses that if you uh, either in your route to uh, on your way to being successful at that goal, or if you're not successful uh, in whatever way you define success, you know, it can have a, it can backlash, right? There can be this big tale of, um, of, of issues. So we, I always try to frame it in terms of expectations, right? So what are our expectations for, um, one, what it's going to feel and look like to get to this, to this kind of, you know, goal or to a certain state. And then what are our expectations around that, that goal? Because if you just say, well, my goal is, to either be successful or not at this thing, you know, that, that only, it, it, it doesn't set you up for many options, right? You've defined very clearly how that thing's going to go down. Um, and so I think this idea of like expectations is much more productive and, you know, of course we can have a goal, but, you know, specific again to like athletes, like it's, you know, let's just use a, like a very common example. Athletes are like, okay, I want to have a, you know, a cyclist, they're like, I want to have a functional threshold power of 300 watts, right? Whatever the number is. So that's a, you either get there or you don't, 
right? And and we know from specific to that example, we know from physiology that there's all kinds of factors that may or may not allow you to to reach a certain FTP that doesn't define your success as an athlete or your fitness. Um, it's a physiological marker. Um, and so when we say, okay, we put that thing in stone, well, if you don't get there, then you have you have already t- told yourself that you have failed. So instead of that, it's, okay, let's, let's talk about our expectations, right? So what can we expect um, in our pursuit of maximizing your full potential in terms of your lactate threshold? What, what, can, we, what can we define as markers for success along the way? Um, and that way, regardless of if you reach that kind of polarizing goal, you can still define success. Um, and so that's been a really important just like shift for me, like as a coach and, and a, an athlete and someone who still, you know, is, likes to push themselves again, like you mentioned the automatic negative thoughts, but just that, you know, that, that feedback loop, you know, and I, I was, I was reading about automatic negative thoughts and they framed this particular article that I was reading, framed it in a really good way. Uh, I thought was, you know, so the automatic negative thought starts with, um, they, they refer to it as, as, uh, like should statements. So it would be, you know, I should have a, to use this example, I should have a functional threshold power of 300 Watts. And that really sets off this kind of, you know, it's riddled with anxiety and stress and the opportunity for, you know, or potential for depressive thoughts. And if, if you're not, if you don't feel like you're getting there in the way that you've defined as successful versus, you know, a shift in that language would be, you know, I'll try my best to, to pursue or reach my optimal, uh, functional threshold power. And I was like, Oh man, like, and I'm, a, I'm obsessed with just language, right? The way that we think about or literally the words that we use to define these, our goals or our expectations. And I was like, oh man, that's, that's such a major shift. Like it doesn't, doesn't take a lot to just start to change how we've like instantly how we define success. Um, Cause if you say I should, well, then you, you're right. There's just this like immense pressure versus just this shift in language and kind of expanding the sentence. And then, and then specific to that kind of, um, to that, uh, article that I was reading, it was like, you know, I will try my best, blah, blah, blah. Here's how. So you put in, you include these kind of process oriented components so that you can see your runway more clearly and it's not this kind of hard stop, like do or don't, you know, success, failure, this again, like polarizing. Um, I don't know, do you like, in terms of the language, like what do you see as successful or, or productive tools and in, in ways to kind of shift the way we, you know, I think so often we don't even, it's just like you said, it's kind of part of our culture, right? We just fall into mm-hmm. this automatic negative thought, you know, <laughs> whatever factory or, or, you know, process assembly line. Um, yeah, what's like, cause you're, I, I think you're so good at the language piece, which is, I, I'm a, I always love our conversations cause you're so thoughtful about how to utilize language to shift thoughts and behaviors. So, 
yeah, what's your, what's your experience with just like how we can utilize our self-talk and, and that, or, you know, or, or our conversations with one another? Yeah, this is huge. This is the, this is the biggest important thing right now. <laughs> is language. Oh my gosh. So just what you said about how, how we word this is critical. Um, for example, so much work is in this area, just like you said, should make myself, this is the, the framework we kind of encouraged or in early years of coaching and, you know, like people believe this is what really, and, and some people did actually really thrive with this, this huge critic. And sometimes the crit- critic is created and sometimes it's handed down, right? Because our parents sometimes are very critical of us and we then internalized that voice and then uh, allowed that to be the, the, our critic um, inside, or we adapted that for whatever purposes. Um, so many of us are still in that, you know, thought of the critic that you should, you have to, you have to make yourself is kind of the motivating piece to get you where you want to be. But the newer evidence, I guess you could say, is that that critic really, um, creates this problem um, of it, you know, gets into the reptilian brain, your reptilian brain then uh, responds by like this fight or flight response. And um, it, it's like cortisol, adrenaline, and it, it's, you become the attacker and the attacked, right? And that it, it might work short term, but in the longer term space, it's really not that healthy and it's not truly the best motivator um, that we have the power to kind of change that around instead of feeling controlled, which the critic voice, right? The critic voice is like the controller. We can swap that language for being in charge. And that's where I tell people, that's your power. That's your superpower. When you, instead of being talked to from the critic voice, you decide that you're in charge and you get to. And right, it, it look it could look like the same scenario. Like you and I get to, you know, train in zone four and do, you know, 20 intervals or whatever. And we were like, yay, we get to, we're in charge. Or it could look like, and you've seen athletes like this where, oh, Shit, I have to do this workout. <laughs> right. I you know, or or I'm or I'm going to be a failure or I'm, you know, not going to get to my goal. And you know, the evidence is now playing out where we know if we can really kind of get into this TFAR cycle that we can really make huge differences based on those nuances, right? It can be like you get to be in charge versus your um, the critic voices in control, and that's the piece where I appreciate you know kind of really diving into because it can it can make a huge difference, um, and I've seen it play out. How about you? What have you seen in those two two places? Yeah, in control I, versus in charge. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I that's again. It, you're so good with language. Cause that's, I love that just nuance. Like, 
yeah, in control versus the kind of critic piece. And I, I think for me, that's probably, again, just it, even if we just kind of use the statement, um, like at the end of, of these, these expectations, if we just say, here's how, right? Like that gives us the, the power. Like you said, like that's, that's our power that puts us in charge because we, that's our roadmap. Um, and that ties directly into, um, you know, process. I mean, we've talked about it a lot on the podcast and, and in articles that we posted, uh, on the coaching, uh, site, um, you know, process performance and outcome based goals. And, you know, the outcome based goals, again, they're, they're polarizing and that's kind of the critic, right? They're, they're defining success for you versus it being in in our hands. And so that, yeah, just that shift in the way we say, um, you know, I think I see it a lot too. One of, one of the key areas that kind of struck me when I was reading through some of these articles and, and things and, and, and talking with you, um, you know, I just like consistency is always such a big, a big potential, um, problem area or, or area where athletes struggle, right? It's just, just maintaining consistency and, and, and treating the time that time for, for an athlete, that time for themselves, allowing that to hold as much weight and value as the things that have kicked that out. Right. So often it's like, you know, Oh, I got busy at work. Oh, I got, you know, I've got these other responses and that's all fair. Like we, you know, it, it takes a lot of balance, but the issue often is that we don't allow that, th- that to, to hold the same space and weight as the other things in our lives. And so consistency can, uh, can take a hit. And I just see that so clearly, like if that, you know, I imagine like for me and for any athlete, like we all struggle with it is like, you know, I will try my best to remain consistent in my training. Here's how versus I, I should, like you said, I should do this workout today, right? For consistency's sake, I should work out that just feels different. Like, even when I say it right now, I'm like, uh, like, you know, I'm going to do my workout later today, <laughs> like mm-hmm. in real life. And I just like felt differently about how that workout's going to go based on those two sentences. Right. Here's, mm-hmm. you know, when I, when I think about taking charge of my, my day and my schedule and prioritizing time for myself so that I can engage in my athleticism that feels much different than the weight that I should work out holds, right? Just in terms of like the positive connotation. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm just as guilty of that as anybody. I, I put a tremendous amount of pressure on myself to, to, because it's important to me, but it, but it can also just like anybody, it can manifest itself in ways that are negative where there's just, you know, you don't listen to your body sometimes because you, you feel this pressure, right? You lead with, I should, versus more positive kind of affirmation. So, um, yeah, I mean, is that, and I see um, a lot of your athletes, yeah. no, you fire away. I'm, I'm thinking out loud. I'm just pondering. So you, uh, you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think you touched on something I, that's common too, where 
we see these athletes or people that fall into the should game and they, they're like exhausting themselves and not really asking themselves the question, like, what do I want right now? What do I feel right now? They just do the should. And they end up like, I call it the zero to 60 game where they're literally like, they do this huge workout. Okay. They're, they're completed. But then the compensation is now they're dead. They can't do anything. They're sitting, 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 eating, right. sitting, you know, like, like that. And I, it's like that zero to 60 game can be really exhausting. And we, it's not using everything in the toolbox. Um, I think we've now looked at athletes and finding, you know, what could, you know, what, like those days where you really just don't want to do the workout. Um, I question or challenge athletes with like, what could you do for active relaxation? You know, that we forget, like there's that middle space. It's not just like, you know, do zone four and then sit all day and do nothing. It's like you could actively be taking care of yourself with, um, hmm, taking a walk, gardening, um, fishing, or, you know, that there's kind of this in-between place that I think some people neglect. And this year has been a good year for people to kind of dive deeper into those places where they could do more self-care in that area, which in the end will, I think, help them be better people and better athletes. What do you see? Yeah, I wonder, you know, that this kind of balance with, and I've, I think I've thought about this a lot. I haven't arrived at an answer, so I'm going to ask you, maybe you have an answer. You know, there is this, I wonder what your take on this kind of balance of, you know, there are days where, you know, so if we have a workout planned, there are days when we should skip that workout because our body is just clearly saying no, you know, all these different things. Um, but, but we also can't, you know, we can't wait around for like the perfect day, right? There's always this balance where like, if you want to remain consistent, if you know, it's that always, it's that like adage, like, you know, once you kind of get moving, typically you feel better. Right. So net, you know, you're in your head and you're like, Oh, I'm tired. I'm stressful. I'm dehydrated. I didn't sleep well. Right. We can formulate these, you know, these excuses or these real reasons. So what's the, like, how do we find that balance? Cause I think that's, cause there are days when we, we should, we should exercise, right? We don't feel our best maybe, but it's, it's going to be productive long-term. It's going to make us feel better. Um, but then there's days when we should pull back and we should do some of this active relaxation and, and not every workout of course needs to be hard, right? Doesn't need to. So what, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've, it's so hard to, and it's different for every athlete and mm-hmm. every individual. So I don't know what's your experience there. Like, are there, you know, specifically maybe in terms of language, like how do, how can we decide where we're at on any given day as far as needing that space for real self-care and then kind of leaning into 
you know, maybe a little bit of that discomfort and, and, and kind of coming out the other side of that with a feeling of accomplishment. And, and of course, just, you know, chemically the endorphins and things that exercise brings, um, how do we walk that line? Yeah, it's really good stuff. Um, and I think you guys do a good job. I think tech's doing a good job of looking more holistically at the whole person and not just the person in their athletic space, their athlete space, because we know now that it's all connected. Like, how are you sleeping? Are you, are you getting seven to eight hours a night? Uh, I mean, the science is clear and we can't just not think that that's important or tied in. And um, I think really asking those questions like, Hey, what do you do for relaxation? Um, how are you spending time with the people that you care about? Do you have, you know, we, cause we really want to be careful that we don't start feeding the monster too, you know, right. As, right. as coaches that, Sometimes we get people like top athletes, they want to be pros, and then we find out, oh my God, this person uh, is neglecting their relationships and lying about how much time they spend exercising because they're kind of going over the top. And so um, I guess going back to your question or original idea is that we really address like all these kind of spaces with people and we get into those gray zones. So for many years, we were able to just like making these hard boundaries like, oh, I'm a coach. I don't really talk about sleep. I don't really talk about alcohol use. I don't talk about, you know, do you have, do you spend time in active relaxation? What do you, you know, how's your emotional health? How's your spiritual health? But when we do ask these questions and in a caring, in a, in a very self-care, non-judgmental, curious way that will serve someone, I think people really want, they want to talk about it and they really want the help. Um, because sometimes, you know, we, we all get into places that we are, we're not seeing the whole picture. Um, a lot of clients, you know, sometimes I see they, we're just, we just don't have enough minutes, right? We just, uh, we're all busy people and we also want to be high achieving athletes. But then when we talk about like, Hey, how do you slow down? How do you relax? Um, can you do more mindfulness? Can you meditate? And they're like, Oh my God, I can't meditate. I can't sit down. <laughs> and I said, you know, um, all of these pieces are really critical and, they relate to each other, right? Like as eating relates to our ability as an athlete, I would suggest and offer that even that quiet meditative piece of ours is related to our space as an athlete too. And so I think that's, um, that's a, that's like a great place to bring people is, like, how can we look at all these different areas of your life and kind of maximize all these places and um, look at, you know, I always phrase it for the most part thinking like, um, hey, we're not going to be like awesome in all these areas, but for the most part, how could we, you know, look at the way we eat or um, the time we spend uh, actively relaxing or, you know, just areas to kind of grow a little bit. Um, what is your thought on that? 
Yeah. So, so, so many, I mean, I think you, um, I, I, I always describe it as that, you know, we're talk about, we always, as athletes, we, you know, we, we, we have like a hierarchy, right? We, we say, mm-hmm. okay, you know, and it's, it's, it's faults or certainly often leads to being misguided where we, you know, train like a workout is the top of the hierarchy. Right. And then maybe below that, we know that, you know, diet is part of it. Right. And and Mm -hmm. our relationship with food and how we fuel for performance um, and how we think about food in relation to our athleticism. Um, You know, and then below that we have all these things, right. It could be sleep and, uh, meditation, certainly time with, you know, relationships, um, family, friends, um, whatever, cause, cause the pursuit of, of being an athlete is oftentimes by nature, a very selfish endeavor and it can be very isolating. So we, you know, so we have all this, all these things. And so often the top of the, the pyramid the training piece gets all the attention. And then the other things kind of dwindle, you know, as we, as we fall down. And, um, I've always described it as like, you know, it's, it's fuel for your car, right? Like you can't expect to execute on the training piece and not give anything back to your body, right? Because when we're training, we're asking our bodies to deliver, you know, let's say a hundred percent, right? Even if it's not a hard workout, even if the effort is not quantified as a hundred percent, it's, we still need to, you know, we still show up, we execute, it takes energy. That energy is depleting, right? It takes from us. So, and then so often we don't think that we need to give back. And, and to your point, like all of these other things, sleep and mindfulness and, and, and recovery, right? Even like just very kind of, you know, t- just from an action perspective, like, you know, stretch and foam roll, trigger point, uh, massage therapy, going to physical therapists, working on body mechanics, working on form. Mm. Um, all of those things give back and and if we're going to expect our body to perform we have to we have to give back right those things are just you can't just continually drain the energy stores and not and not give back and so i think that's and that's that's you know that's a very challenging shift right and we and we all are short on time t- to your point it it is hard to keep those things weighted equally when we have 10 hours a week right we want to get the most out of our out of our training and most of our bodies and it feels more productive to, to breathe hard, right? We feel like we're, we're making more progress if our heart's beating faster. And while that, you know, aerobically or physiologically or cardiovascular or whatever might be the case, it can't be all in that direction. I mean, there has to be, we have to refill the tank. And, um, you know, I think that's a big piece of just kind of athletic maturity as well, right? Understanding that there is, fluctuations in the seasons and that we need to, you know, wait these different things at different times of the year so that we can rebuild towards, towards long-term success, you know, and so that these things feel better and they're more productive and our bodies are able to, uh, to adapt in ways that are healthy year after year versus just kind of draining the tank and stepping back and see what happens. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, I, I think that's, um, yeah. I love that for the most part thinking. I think that's, I think that's a great, that's, you know, it's not, it doesn't have to be this all or nothing. We, we touched on that before, like this, just like pursue the goal at all costs. Um, 
there is a blended way to get there that's still productive and, and still engaging. Um, I think it's the, the language piece that that's probably the most important to shift, right? That's where we get hung up is how we qualify these, these things in our minds and in the language that we use to describe them with ourselves and with those folks around us, our coaches or spot, you know, our partners or, or whatever. Um, so yeah. And it's just harder as we get older, right? Because it seems like that paradox of we learn the most by what we did wrong versus what we did right. And right. it just sucks to do it wrong. I mean, it sucks to make mistakes and have, you know, like, oh, that didn't work out. But going back um, with someone you feel safe, you know, and knows, you know, that they're not going to judge or blame you. Um, just that, you know, to go back and go, gee, look, this didn't work out. Let's figure this out, you know, and that's, I think that's the shift um, that people are making. And um, it's not easy, but it's, it's really important. I'm glad that you guys are, you know, you dive into this with people. And I appreciate that you are that kind of person that you can, you know, people can go to and kind of go, wow, this didn't work out. Let's, let's look at it differently. Let's uh, <laughs> not just stop with the negative thought, but reframe it um, into something that can really work differently. Uh, and it's powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's a, that's a high point to, uh, to sign off on. Cause I think that's, I mean, that's the, the key takeaway I think for me or, you know, is that, that, we can use language in ways to define success outside of, you know, we accomplish this very specific goal or not, right? That there's ways we can, can navigate this successfully. So yeah, thanks, Christine, as always, um, just super appreciative of your, your insight and, and, uh, and expertise and ability to navigate, you know, these things that are, um, that are challenging, you know, these are hard topics. So, um, yeah. Thanks. Thanks so much. I appreciate you being on the show. Yeah, you're welcome. It was great being here with you.